today is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through to 14. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus like to ask Reuben to come up and preach with us. Thanks. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Reuben. Uh, this is my wife, Shan. Uh, we live in Geelong. Uh, we attend a church called The Hub, a nice little church plant down in Geelong. Uh, I'm a student at RTC. RTC is a Bible college just in the centre of Melbourne. Great place to study if you're looking for some extra learning. I'm really excited to bring uh, God's Word to you this morning. We're going to be looking at Philippians 3, uh, just the last few verses that we read there, verses 12 to 14. Uh, I'm just going to read them again now. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's just pray before we dig into this. Father God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us now in a special way. Lord, that 
you would speak through your word, that it would be living and active amongst us now. Lord, would you speak through me? Would you speak into our hearts and to our lives? We ask that this would be deeply relevant and encouraging and real for us now. And we ask that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was at school, uh, one of my favorite subjects was art. I remember loving going to that studio in year 12 to work on my art project. It was my free space where I could just kind of do what I wanted. Um, I remember working on this one massive oil painting. It was this image of sort of a volcano that was spewing lava into the sky and there was sort of all these clouds and smoke and it was pretty fun. And I had this image in my mind of what I wanted this painting to look like. And the challenge that year was to actually make that picture in my mind appear on canvas. Sometimes it was pretty frustrating. It's a lot easier to imagine something than to make it happen. Um, although the good thing about oil paint is you can actually paint over uh, mistakes and just keep building it up till you're happy with what you've got. It took like six months to create this painting. Um, I was definitely tempted to quit sometimes, throw it in the bin, maybe start a new one. But I had my eyes fixed on this goal of what I wanted it to look like, and that was what enabled me to push through to the end. I think our lives are a little bit like oil paintings sometimes. As we live out our lives, we're kind of painting a picture. It can be frustrating when our painting doesn't look the way we want it to look. Sometimes we try and repaint over part of it. But each of us has an image in our mind of what we want our life to look like, how we think it should go. And this is, I think, what drives us. What drives us to create the kind of life that we create. And in our passage this morning, we get a glimpse of the kind of painting that Paul was making. We get an insight into a guy who was incredibly driven. He was working towards a very particular goal, and this goal changed everything about the way that he lived. And that's why our passage is so important for us to hear today. Because each day and each week and each year, we make choices about how we live, what we want to achieve, who we want to be. And if you want to use your life well, if you want your life to count, then you need to have a clear goal in your mind of what you're working towards. And that's what Paul's going to help us see in this passage He's going to help us see what the most important thing is. And he's going to give us some tips for how we can get there. So we're going to unpack this passage by asking three questions. The first question that we want to ask is, what are we pressing on to? What's the goal? Have a look there in verse 12, if you've got your Bible open. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. So the question is, what's Paul trying to obtain? What's he pressing on to? Well, the answer, I think, comes in the verses just prior to our passage that we read. Paul says he counts everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. The thing that Paul wants more than 
anything else is to gain Christ, to know Christ, to be united to Him. Yeah, Paul already knows Christ, doesn't he? Because he's already a believer. He's already saved, but that's not enough for Paul. He's not done. He wants more. He wants to know Christ perfectly. He wants to know the righteousness of Christ in his own life as he triumphs over sin. He wants to know the resurrection of Christ in his own body as he stands in heaven perfect. The perfection that he's working towards is perfect unity with Christ. It's a bit like how you feel when you really love someone. Maybe it's your spouse or your child or a close friend. When you love someone, you already know that person pretty well. But you don't stop there, do you? Your love for that person makes you want to get to know them even more and more. So when Paul says that he's pressing on towards Jesus, it's not because he's scared that he might miss out, because he's scared he'll lose his salvation. No, he's pressing on because he absolutely loves Jesus. I don't know if there's anyone here who's engaged at the moment. My younger sister got married in Hey. My younger sister got married in February, uh, just a couple of months ago. Prior to that, she was engaged to her fiancé. It's that kind of weird limbo stage, isn't it? Where you, you're kind of uh, nearly, nearly there, but you're still waiting. And it was interesting, my sister, Sasha, it was interesting to see what she was doing while she was engaged. See, she wasn't just chilling out and maximizing time with her girlfriends and making the most of being single was kind of the opposite. She was actually spending lots of time with her fiancé and getting to know him better and planning her future with him. Not because she was worried that if she didn't, he might stop loving her. Because he already loved her and she just couldn't wait to spend the rest of her life with him. It's the same for us as Christians. We don't press on and keep running towards Jesus because we're scared that if we stop, we'll miss out. We keep running because that thing in the distance is so wonderful, so glorious. We can't wait to get there. There's nothing that we love more than Jesus. But it can be hard, can't it? I, I was just blown away by the last 10 minutes of this service. You guys have got some tough stuff going on. Sometimes the dream of heaven can get pretty distant in all of that. You know, there's discouragement, and there's temptation, and there's distraction, and there's depression, and sometimes even just the other Christians around us who are more mature than us, they don't inspire you. They just make you go, oh, I'll never be as good as them. Now, did you notice in this passage that Paul actually gets what that's like? In verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. I'm not there yet. He says it again in verse 13. I do not consider that I've made it my own. Paul is one of the most godly and inspiring Christians of all time. And he's saying here, I know it's hard, guys. We're not there yet. Not even I am. Persevering in the Christian life can be really hard. Don't forget what it's all about. 
Don't forget what you're living for and working towards. Yes, you know Jesus. Yes, you've tasted his love and his goodness, but it's just an entree. Don't you want the main course? You're just engaged. Don't you want to be married? So fix your eyes on the goal. In these verses, Paul uses the imagery of a runner, of someone running a race in the Olympics. Paul sees the Christian life as a running race. When you run in a race, your goal isn't just to go for a run. Your goal is to complete, yeah? The runner doesn't get halfway and go, yeah, that's good enough. That'll do. The whole reason for running is to reach the end and claim the prize, isn't it? Your whole life is like a running race. You're running towards one ultimate goal of being perfectly united to God. So how's your race going? Some of you are doing great at this. You've got your eyes fixed on Jesus. You're pressing on towards the goal. And I want to encourage you to keep going. You're on the right track. And you're not going to be disappointed. Others of you might be feeling discouraged. Maybe you've become distracted. Maybe you're weary of fighting sin. You're starting to wonder whether you'll ever be free of it. Discouraged by the challenges of church life, wondering if it's all worth the effort. Maybe you feel like every time you try and share the gospel, it just falls flat. Or the pressures of work and family and relationships and everything going on, Jesus just feels irrelevant and distant in the middle of it. It's like he's just that thing we do on Sunday, but what difference does it really make to my life? Maybe you feel distant from God today. You're wondering why you feel so cold. Wondering why things in your life are not going the way they should. Well, the reason why we struggle is because we aren't there yet. We're still living in a world that's broken and in a body that's broken. But the mistake we often make is that we focus on these problems and these weaknesses. We focus on them more than we focus on the power and the love of Jesus. What are your eyes focused on at the moment? I just wanted to read part of a hymn to you. It's called, We Fix Our Eyes on Jesus Christ. We fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, our brother and our Lord, our great high priest and sacrifice, our captain, shield and sword. He laid aside his majesty, was born to serve and die. Now reigning at the Father's right, the Son is lifted high. Surrounded by his witnesses, with Christ before our eyes, we throw aside what weighs us down and run to gain the prize. What joy is ours in Jesus Christ. We feast on living bread. His light is shining all around. His face is just ahead. What are we pressing on to? We're pressing on to be with Jesus perfectly. But now we want to ask our second question. Why? 
do we press on? It's there in verse 12. I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. And in verse 14, he says, I press on because God has called me upward, heavenward. Why do we press on towards Christ? Why do we persevere when the road is so hard and discouraging and slow? Because we already belong to Jesus. Because Jesus has already taken hold of us and made us his own. Paul is making a really profound statement here, and I don't want us to miss it. He says, Christ made me his own, and I was still a sinner. He loved me and saved me at a time in my life when I wasn't running towards him. I was running in the opposite direction. I was on the road to Damascus. I was on a mission to kill Christians and destroy the church. And that's what I was doing when Christ broke into my life and saved me. And that's why my running isn't about trying to make sure Jesus loves me. My running is a response to the incredible love that He has already poured out on me. Friends, you don't have to do anything to earn God's love. Let me say that again. You don't have to do anything earn God's love. Right here, right now, with all your mess and all your sin, all your worries, God loves you. You only have to trust in Jesus to let Him take hold of you. And if you trust in Him, your resurrection in heaven is guaranteed. If you trust in Jesus, your perfection without any sin is guaranteed. How can you be sure of this? Because you're united to the man who's already resurrected and already perfect. And because you're united to Jesus, his victory is your victory. So it's a pretty weird race that we're running in. It's not like anything you'll see at the Olympics. Because in this race, you know right from the start that you're definitely going to win. That's my kind of race. If you've been feeling discouraged over the past week, if there's a sin or a battle in your life that's getting you down, if you're daunted by how far you've got to go, if you're feeling like this, then be encouraged that the victory doesn't depend on you. It might be a hard road. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be setbacks battles that you'll lose. But when you place your faith in Christ, you never need to doubt that you'll get there. If you're new here this morning, if you're still making up your mind about Christianity, checking it out, I want you to know that Christians aren't a bunch of good people who get into heaven by obeying the rules. Christians are weak, broken, pathetic people who are loved and rescued by an amazing Savior. And this man, Jesus, is calling to you like he called to Paul, like he called to me. He's calling to you to trust in him. He's holding out to you a relationship with him, 
of love and intimacy that will last to eternity. Are you going to take it? Well, we've asked, what are we pressing on to? Perfect relationship with Jesus. We've asked why we're pressing on. It's because Jesus has already taken hold of us. Now we want to ask, how do we press on? Let's get practical. In verse 13, Paul offers us a couple of practical ways that we can press on. First, he says, he forgets what lies behind. Paul forgets what lies behind. It's not that he's had his memory wiped. It's not that he never thinks about the past. When Paul says he forgets what lies behind, it means that he's not focused on the past. It's no longer important to him. For some of us, when we think about the past, we think about a life full of sin and guilt and regrets. And that guilt can weigh us down. Our failures can haunt us to the point that they start defining us. We start to see our failures as more powerful than the God who raised Jesus from the dead. For others of us, when we think about the past, we might be tempted to think we're doing pretty well. The past might even make you feel confident because you've shown yourself to be pretty successful, pretty strong. Paul was actually tempted to think like this. In the verses we read just before, he says, I'm a high-flying, super-obedient, cream-of-the-crop Jew. And if anyone's getting into heaven based on what they've done, it's me. And then he says, directly after that, whatever I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He's not focused on himself. He's not focused on the past. He doesn't let the past discourage him. He doesn't let it give him false hope. He forgets what lies behind. When you're running in a race, it is dangerous to turn and look behind you because it throws you off your center of balance and it, and it slows you down. In 1954, two running legends, Roger Bannister and John Landy, were running the one-mile race in Vancouver. Lannister, uh, Landy and Bannister, they broke away from the pack early in the race. They got out to the front, just the two of them. Throughout the race, Landy was leading and Bannister was close on his heels. And as they neared the final straight, Landy looked back over his left shoulder to see how he was doing. And just as he did that, Bannister overtook him on the right, sprinted up the line and won the gold. Are you spending too much time looking behind and not enough time looking forward? Your identity is in Christ, which means that your identity is no longer sinner or successful businessman or sports all-rounder or failure or that nice, friendly person. In Christ, your identity is a child of God, loved and forgiven and called to live for Him 
That's who you are. I don't know you guys, but I know that if you're in Christ, that's who you are. Regardless of your weaknesses or your strengths, the only way you're going to finish the race is by relying fully on Christ. And that brings us to the second practical way that we can press on. Not only does Paul forget what lies behind, but he strains forward to what lies ahead. We often lose sight of eternity, don't we? How many times did you think about heaven this week? We so often lose sight of what God's doing in our lives, what He's doing in our world, what He's promised to do. I think one of the main ways that this happens is we just get caught up in the world. We just get distracted by the immediate things of this world that just go on around us all the time. We forget that we're travelers passing through on the way to heaven. We just get obsessed with things like romantic relationships and our children and our careers and our study and our financial security and getting good grades and being popular. We live in a world full of people who are always looking to the future, to the next thing that they think they need. And yet the irony is, what kind of future are they working towards? No future at all, nothing that will ever last. C.S. Lewis once said that if we really understood how truly enormous and wonderful God's promises to us were, we'd realize how pathetic the things we often desire are. This is a quote. He says, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. What would it look like in your life to be living with your eyes fixed on Jesus? Do you need to readjust what you're focused on? When you fix your eyes on heaven, it affects life here. Don't think that you're just going to be living with your head in the clouds. Your long-term perspective will have an impact on your short-term decisions. That's why we don't just sit around and wait for Jesus to come back. It would be kind of nice to just sit here and sing all day, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to invest in eternity even now. We can grow in our love for Jesus even now. We can start getting rid of sin in our lives even now. What's one thing this week that you could do to be more focused on Jesus? We're not looking for perfection, we're looking for progress. What's one thing you can do this week to be more focused on Jesus? God isn't finished with you, and He isn't finished with this world. 
We already have so much as Christians, but we mustn't forget that we're not there yet. Maybe as you've looked at Paul in this passage, you've realized that you've had your sights set too low. Maybe you've been settling for a comfy life in the here and the now. Maybe you've been settling for an acceptable level of morality and putting up with those respectable sins. I want to urge you this morning, set your eyes on home. Don't run because you're scared of missing out. Run because you can't wait to get there. Run hard towards that glorious day when you're perfectly united with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are amazed at what you have done for us. That you would love people like us. That when we were fully lost in sin, you took hold of us and made us your own. And now you are in heaven. and You are reigning with power. Lord, we want to be with you. And we want to be more like you. And we want to run with heaven in our eyes. We pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us and help us to keep pressing on towards that goal. Thank you that you are with us every step of the way. Thank you that this is a race that we have already won. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing in response. We're going to sing this song. and um, I often find the bridge hard to sing. It says, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And I go, you know what, I turn back a lot. <laughs> but I like that perspective that Ruben shared. That What if we actually, this is not a matter of our actions, but a matter of our perspective. That actually we're going to look forward mm. rather than looking behind trusting that Jesus is enough for us. So let's sing, Christ is enough.